This is the Confident Collective Podcast with your hosts, Christina Zias and Rayanne Langis, two plus-size models and body activists here to get real and candid about living your most confident life. Get ready for powerful conversations that will leave you laughing, motivated, and inspired. <laughs> He's so loud. Do I? It's like... <laughs> I thought it was going to be quiet, ready to go. Oh, it sounds like a waterfall in here. If you can't tell, I'm back, baby. Back in LA with Christina. Oh, and do I just <laughs> tripped over the Oh my gosh, you guys. This is our first episode back together. We are so excited. We are recording at my place and it's just often a hot mess in here. The Confident Collective Studio. Yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Ray, I'm so happy to have you back. How does it feel to be back in LA after almost three months? It feels strange. I'm not going to lie to you. I like walked into my apartment and I felt just like no connection. Mm -hmm. It was so strange. Um, And honestly, I've talked about this. I feel a little lost right now, to be totally honest. And I think we're hitting that pandemic, um, the pandemic low where people are like struggling with where they're supposed to be, what they're supposed to be doing. And I'm in that spot a little bit. So I'm trying to just be really mindful of how I'm feeling while I'm back. Um, But I am so glad to be back and see you and meet Nico. Oh my gosh, that made my heart so happy. Um, So it's good. Uh, A little lost, but it's good. I'm thankful. Honestly, Ray, I feel a little lost too. Do you? You're not alone. I think everyone does. I, I feel lost in the sense of like pretty much exactly what you just said. Like, what am I doing? Where am I supposed to be? Like, I'm super content and I am busier than I've ever been. So it's not mm-hmm. like I really have time to like actually like think about it or like, but you know, with my family across the country and like having a baby and just like work and everything, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, what do I want my life to look like? And I've been like thinking a lot about that too. So you ain't alone, girl. We're, ha- we're, we're all having this like crisis. Yeah. And- I- I'm sure most of our listeners are too, you know? Yeah. Dang. Well, we're going to have to regroup on this and help <laughs> each other out. Um, Should we just move to Miami? I've been thinking about that a lot. You know, I was thinking about moving. Where? Austin. Oh my gosh. So I came across. Okay. We thought about that too. So when I had that conversation. Wait, can we all move together? <laughs> well, I would have to actually go to Austin first. I've never been to Texas. <laughs> Dewey does not like that idea at all. Dewey's like, like, hell no, we're not moving to Texas. He's like, I thought you promised me there'd be a beach nearby. (laughs) Um, That's one of my things about Austin. I'm like, there's no water. There's a river. Mm-hmm. There's a river. You can float the river. I know, which is a huge bonus because honestly, I've always wanted to float the river ever since I've seen that Melissa Joan Hart movie drive me crazy. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen that, but they float the river all together and they have their coolers with beers. And I was yes. like, dude, this sounds like amazing. Yes. And be like, Nico, pass me a beer, please. <laughs> okay, but float these on his arms. <laughs> I can just see him just like floating his eyebrows just above yeah. the water. <laughs> uh, okay, well, once like we can travel a little bit safely, I think we need to take a trip to Austin and see if we need to set up the Confident Collective headquarters. Girl, I'm down. Okay. I'm down for that. Ah, well, I probably can convince my family to go there too. <laughs> it sounds like a good idea. Okay, I'll work on my family as well. That's what we need. Oh my god, everyone there. Um, okay, well, this week is Valentine's Day. I know. Coming up on the fourteenth. Hey, oh. Steve. This week is Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your gentle reminder. <laughs> Oh my gosh, benefits of having the studio in my place. Um, Yeah, it is Valentine's. First of all, it kind of scares me that it's Valentine's Day coming up because I'm like, that is the middle of February. What? Oh yeah, it's been flying by. Um, how How do you feel about Valentine's Day? You know, I kind of am indifferent towards Valentine's Day. Like, I think it's a fun. I I always like love a day to celebrate something or to have something to do. So for me, like, it's fun. Growing up. Um, Valentine's Day was also always special to me because I was always my parents' Valentine and like they always made me feel really loved and like happy and like my dad would get something for my mom but he would always like get us a little something too and it was just like really cute and special Um, but then when I got older and like high school and in college I never had a boyfriend I never had anyone to share Valentine's Day with and for me it was pretty lonely honestly and just like almost like a it made me feel embarrassed in a way because I felt like I was always the only friend that didn't have anyone. Mm. And I'll never forget this one time, like there was this guy I liked who like, I, I thought he would, I would be his Valentine. And my friends came back that night and they're like, they, one of them was out dinner at a restaurant and saw him there with another girl. 
And I remember being like, I, I don't care. I, I I remember like hating him from that point on. And this person, I never once expressed my feelings, never told him anything. And it just like thinking back about it, because I've been talking a lot about like putting yourself in the friend zone. Mm-hmm. And I used to do that all the time, like with everyone. And then I would get upset when people just didn't like know how to read my mind. But uh, apparently people can't do uh, that. Apparently he didn't <laughs> know what you were thinking. But honestly, like for me so often, like it wasn't really until I met Steve that like I started to celebrate Valentine's Day and loved it. And he always like made me feel special. But growing up, my family really did a great job. And and I think that Valentine's Day, it doesn't just, you don't have to celebrate it if you're only in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Your girlfriends can be your Valentine's Day. Yes. Your, your Valentine's Day. <laughs> your I didn't even say it. I was like, yes, they can. They really can. What about you, Ray? I mean, you're single right now. How do you feel I'm about single. Valentine's Day? Um, You know, I honestly, now that I'm single, this is, so two years ago, almost to this week, mm-hmm. I moved out of my apartment with my long-term boyfriend of eight years into my first apartment in Hollywood. And it was the worst week ever. I cried. I can't even tell you the heart. Like, my heart physically ached. And you know what actually makes me sad when you say that is because I knew you then and then, like, you were going through all this. And for me, like, I just, like, saw you as, like, a strong person who just got out of a relationship that wasn't mm-hmm. going that great. And I don't think I realized that you are going through so much heartache. I, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, my gosh. I no, felt I wasn't there for you the way I wish I could have. Like you just said, when you acted like you didn't care, that guy was at dinner. Mm-hmm. I, I think we always feel like we have to act like we're okay. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to act like I was strong. I wanted to act like I was okay. Because for some reason, I thought that showing that I was completely devastated was weak, mm-hmm. which is so not the case. And we'll talk about that in this episode. But um, going into Valentine's Day now, you know, single, I... Um, have a totally different outlook. I, I posted like a preview of some content that we're shooting. I'm really excited about uh, for Valentine's Day. And someone messaged me and was like, I'm already struggling, like thinking about seeing all this content. Like I'm, I'm single and I'm a bit bitter about seeing people like in love and in relationships. And I just have to say, I've been in a relationship on Valentine's Day. And from the outside, it looked like, oh my gosh, they're going to dinner. They're going to do this. Little did you know, I had to beg and basically scream to be spend Valentine's Day with my significant other. And on the outside, it looked like it was all happy. But honestly, I'm so much happier now and less lonely out of that relationship and on my own. So it has given me a different perspective. And I think, like you said, Christina, Valentine's Day, I see it just changed my mindset about it being about romance romantic relationships only to just celebrating love in every way with your friends, with your family, send your friend a voice memo and just say, Hey girl, like, I just want you to know I fucking love you. And it's just a way to show love in, in every way. It doesn't have to be in a, in a romantic relationship. Absolutely. And, and if you are struggling and you feel like you want to talk to someone, then we have like that perfect guest for you too, because today on the podcast, we have Naz Perez. She is freaking amazing, you guys. I actually met Naz for the first time a couple of years ago because she's best friends with Ashley Iconetti, who's a friend of mine. Ashley was on The Bachelor. She was also a guest on one of our episodes here for the Confident Collective podcast. And Naz is amazing. She's a producer, she's a podcaster, and she's the founder of Heartbroken Anonymous, which is a support group for people who are grieving and heartbroken. Um, She is also a TV correspondent for E! for the LA Dodgers, for Rotten Tomatoes. She is just doing it all. She's so fabulous. She's a total girl's girl, and you guys are going to love her. And I think that no matter where you are in life, you're going to love this conversation and really find... I think that it'll be just so valuable, whether you're struggling through something, whether you want to be a friend to someone who is grieving or is heartbroken, or whether you just want to feel like empowered. And And this episode will cover all of that. Mm-hmm. Every, this, I told Christina, this was one of my favorite uh, interviews. Everything Naz said, I got like teary eyed at certain parts because she just has a way of really articulating how I think a lot of people are feeling. And 100%. she is just a wealth of knowledge and this interview is so powerful no matter where whatever state your heart is in if it's broken right now or healing or full and happy it's this is going to be a really really great episode should we get into it let's do it so heartbroken anonymous is a support group for people that are heartbroken tell our listeners a little bit about it and how you got started yeah so 
basically I used to produce on The Bachelor and you and I, Christina, it's so funny. We met through Ashley. I I know (laughs) I was her producer on the show and, um, you know, working on that show was like, it was such a, I look back on it and it's sort of like an outer body experience. I'm like, whoa, that was my life. Cause it was such a cool occupation to have, but also it was so life consuming. Like, um, you shoot all year round. So I was never my apartment in LA. I was always traveling, which was really exciting, especially at that age. But, um, on the flip side, I wasn't dating. I didn't know who my neighbors were, you know, like you're very much like in it and married to your job. And so I left in 2000s, like end of 2016, beginning of 2017 was like my, my official last time with them. And I left because like, I wanted to do on camera stuff, just like you did, Christina. And, um, I also wanted to just date, you know? And so I started dating this guy when I left and then, um, I met my neighbor. I met her like a couple times getting the mail, but she lived, you know how LA is. Her door was like literally two feet away from my door. It's like right next to it. Right. And, um, one day she knocked on my door and she was hysterical crying and she was going through a breakup and she really needed someone to talk to. And she's like, I know we don't really know each other. Um, and so she came in and she told me about how she lived with this guy next door and how, you know, they were together for like over 10 years and whoever's listening, you know, that that's just such a, like, that's one of the worst heartbreaks because you have this blueprint of your life, right? You like imagine your life with this person forever. And then it's just sort of like ripped in front of you. And so she was going through a breakup with that person and they were moving out and she just needed someone to talk to. And I was like, well, you know, have you talked to your family about this? And she's like, oh, well, I feel like my mom and my sister are going to tell me to move on or that I'm so much better than him. Or they're just going to tell me stuff that like, I kind of already know, but isn't going to really make me feel better. And I remember after she came over, I was so just like astounded and taken back at the fact that this stranger, like basically a stranger told me like how they really felt about something as opposed to their own friends and family. And um, just this concept of how we are more willing to tell strangers how we actually feel about things because we're not being judged. And so then I took a step further back and I was like, well, that's kind of how we make The Bachelor, right? Like that's how we get close to the cast. And that's why the cast feels super comfortable opening up to people because you're talking to someone that like didn't grow up with you, you know, or or isn't around you or isn't going to give you like that tough love. So I started thinking about my neighbor a lot and that concept. And then um, a couple of months later, I was like blindsided by that guy that I was seeing. And I experienced heartbreak for the first time, romantic heartbreak for the first time ever. And I was like, what? Can I curse? I don't know if I can like curse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is this feeling? Like, I literally could not sleep. Um, I would wait. I remember I would wake up and I would turn over and see that he wasn't in the bed next to me and I would just start crying. And so like every morning sucked every time I had to go to bed, it sucked. I lost my appetite. Um, I was just always crying to friends and like, I had, I actually have an incredible support system, but it was just so different, right? Like complaining to my friend who's happily married about this heartbreak that I was experiencing. It's, you know, it just doesn't, it's not like the same energy as it would feel if I was talking to someone that was going through the same thing. And that, and that's with any heartbreak. So, so then I was just like, man, like, how can I make this feeling go away? Like, this is so, I felt so hostage. And I remember like calling my dad and I was like, I was like, dad, I don't get it. Like, I'm, I feel like I'm a smart person. I'm grounded in reality. Like, I have a, you know, like I had a job before I left the bachelor. Like, I don't know. I feel, I felt like I was so quote unquote normal. Right. Why was this other person? Um, why did they have so much power over me? Why was this so painful? And my dad was like, reason has nothing to do with matters of the heart. I'll like never forget that line. And so I remember Googling, how can I make this feeling go away? Cause I felt super trapped. And I you, like, when you're heartbroken, you don't want to feel that way all the time. It's mm-hmm. like the worst. And, um, I started going to therapy, but therapy was super expensive. Also like not covered by insurance. Also, I didn't even have insurance anymore because I had, 
I I wasn't working at Bachelor. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just all like, I was like, how is there nowhere for people to go? This is so weird. And while I was Googling, I came across this research that basically states the same part of your brain that lights up when you're going through physical pain is the same part of your brain that lights up when you're going through emotional pain. And I was just like, that's so crazy. Like, that's so crazy that I can like stub my toe or get in a car accident or get physically hurt and like go to the hospital or the doctor and get a doctor's note. And if I am working, like call my job and just be like, hey, I can't come in. You know, I need to recover for a week. But why is it that when we're going through heartbreak, which the official definition is overwhelming distress, why is it that? there's like nowhere to go. And you're like, if your dog dies, you're in a fight with your mom or you experience, or you have a miscarriage or you lose your job or, you know, you don't have a home, whatever it is that's causing your personal heartbreak, you have to wake up the next day and resume life as is. And I was like, that is so insane to me that there's nowhere to go. And you can only really get therapy if you have the money to do it. And I was doing it like every other week or like once a month, because going to therapy every week would rack up like so much money. So to make an extremely long story short, <laughs> the reason why I started Heartbroken Anonymous was because I needed it. I needed it. I needed to create a space where people could go for free or, you know, for a very small donation and just remind themselves that they're not alone and be surrounded by strangers and feel like they can say whatever they want um, and just get it off their chest. And so that's basically how and why I started Heartbroken Anonymous in May of 2017. I just have to say, like, listening to you say this, I'm, like, almost tearing up because (laughs) it's so interesting to hear someone say, I think, and so many people listening probably can relate to this, how you're feeling. You just, like, articulated what heartbreak can be, like, perfectly. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm, like, actually, two years ago to this week, I went through Mm -hmm. a heartbreak of, like, we were together for eight years. Wow. And... It's like this week. So this is so crazy to me that we're talking to you right now. Wow. And um, So wow. it's right before Valentine's Day then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went, I went through my heartbreak right before Valentine's Day too, which is so brutal. It's brutal. Naz, when you were, when you finally started this support group and you're still going through your heartbreak, how long mm-hmm. did you feel like it took you to get over it? Like was talking to strangers, did it really help? And like, what was that process Uh, like for you? Yeah, totally. I love that question. Um, I first want to talk about like the process of like getting over a a breakup or heartbreak. And first, let me just go a step further back. um, Because if you're listening, I just want people to know that like, I feel like when we hear the word heartbreak, we think of a guy dumping a girl or we think of a girl wearing matching silk pajamas, like eating Ben and Jerry's in bed. Right. Because that's what we saw, like in all the movies we grew up. And that is not what heartbreak is. Heartbreak is just overwhelming distress. So the, the group is men, women, young people, old people, you know, whatever you identify as, whatever your gender or non-gender or sexuality is like everyone experiences heartbreak in different ways. So I just want to preface by saying that and um, I, real, as, real quick. And I love that you said that, but all also, I, yeah. what you said just a little bit ago, it's not necessarily just if you, like, someone broke up with you. Like, it's like if you lost a, a family member, if you lost your job, like like you right. said, it could you can be heartbroken for so many different reasons. Right. Unrequited love was a big one that I always experienced because I had, like, really never had a boyfriend. And, like, people never take that seriously, which I hated. I hated that, like there were so many, there are so many people that come to meetings and they're like, I feel so not taken seriously by my friends. Cause they'll be like, well, you know, Susan, you only went on a date with him three times. And it's like, I just always thought it was so silly. Like, who are we to tell people how they actually felt? Maybe that person impacted them so much. Maybe they're in love with someone that doesn't love them back. There's no algorithm to, to recovering from a heartbreak. One time a a gentleman came to a meeting. He was like in his um, early fifties. And he was like, you know, I met this woman. Um, we dated six months. We met in like a dancing class and, you know, I thought that I was going to marry her and I haven't stopped thinking about her. And that was 23 years ago. Wow. And like, he feels so, there's so much shame and guilt because he can't, he's like, I'm so embarrassed to tell anyone about it. And I'm just like, that's so crazy to me. So, so first and foremost, I don't think there's an algorithm to a breakup. I I don't believe in that. I don't believe like, oh, well, you dated three months. So double that time times two, six months from now, you'll feel fine. I don't believe in that shit. I think it's all bullshit. I think, I think loss is loss, right? And time does heal. But like you were also asking me what I, 
because I can't take people's heartbreak away. If I had a magic wand, I wish I could. If I, if I had one superpower, that would be my superpower. I can't take people's heartbreak away, but if I can make them feel better for an hour, then that is my objective. And that is the point of heartbroken anonymous and research actually shows that we heal through like love and connection. Like community is medicine. And a lot of people think that we evolved as a species, like back in the caveman days, because we got like strong and we started running really fast and we were smarter, but research actually shows that the reason why we are alive today is because we work together in groups, right? Like they were like, all right, how are we going to kill that lion? And so we are built physiologically and mentally to connect with other people, to work together. But now we live in this world where like no one works together anymore. We're in like a loneliness epidemic. People like build higher fences. No one knows their neighbors anymore. Like I remember when I was little, like my dad sent me a home video of me the other day when I was three. And it's like, he has, he's holding the camcorder and he's like, there's Kyle and his mom across the street. And there's these, and I was like playing with all these people. And like, when my parents were at work really late, like I would stay at my neighbor's house, you know, like there was this community and connection and we heal through being around people and through listening to people and feeling like we belong and like, we're not being judged. So what I did was I tried to take those two things Surround yourself with people going through the same thing and make those people strangers so that you can feel like you could say whatever you want. And so if you can feel better for an hour and people typically do coming and sharing stories of heartbreak and listening to other stories to remind themselves there's not they're not alone. That's really the whole objective behind HBA. Do you find that some people come over and over again? Absolutely. Absolutely. And what's really cool about the meetings is um, there's P I have, there's HBA members that have been coming for the past four years, like since I started it. Um, There's people that come in and out. And the reason for that is because there's all different kinds of heartbreak, right? Maybe somebody came two years ago because they were going through a really bad breakup. And now they're coming back because they lost their parent to COVID, you know, or they just lost their job. And so that's the thing about heartbreak. It, it doesn't discriminate against anyone. It doesn't matter how lucky or how wealthy or how successful or how rich you are or what race you are. Everyone experiences love, heartbreak, and loneliness. I'm sorry, heartbreak and loneliness. And um, everyone wants that sense of like belonging. So a lot of people do come back. So the meetings are kind of cool because it's always like, I would say like 25% like people who have been there before. And then, um, you know, the other percentage is people who have or first timers. And how do you, so, you know, with these meetings, these people are opening up, like you said, in a way that they want it, even with people they know. And every, I'm not sure it's every week or every. So I I do two a month now virtually on zoom. Yeah. So So anyone from around the world can like join them because it's like virtual now, which is great. Um, so you hear these stories, has that affected your personal outlook on love and relationships in any way? Absolutely. I mean, it's like, it's so funny. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie inside out. Um, it's like a Pixar and there's, um, the woman that plays Phyllis on the office. I think she's the voice of sad, like the little blue (laughs) character. And I've always felt like I've, I've had like, I was like sad, you know, like I think I have lower serotonin levels. So there's a part of me that like, I'm a feeler. And so I take in that energy and it, and it does affect me. Um, sometimes, I mean, if you're listening to like really bad stories of heartbreak all the time, of course, on a subconscious level, um, I think there's a part that's like scared me in dating, you know, I'm like, oh man, like I just heard about this lady in the meeting who, whose boyfriend of five years dropped her off at the airport And then everything was fine. And she thought everything was fine. And then when she got on the plane, she got a text that they are no longer together. And when she flew back home after Christmas, he moved everything out. And I'm like, that can happen. But I think what, what I find solace in is like, what outweighs that? Because of course that's reality, right? That happens to people all the time. It's very humbling, actually. It, It makes me feel very lucky, you know, at times. And, and I think people feel that way too. It's one of those like, someone always has it worse sort of things. And I'm like, not in the business of comparing despair, but what outweighs that sort of scary love scaries, I guess I would call it is everything I'm learning about love because I'm such a late bloomer. I think I I've still never really had like an official boyfriend. I would say I'm, I'm 30. I'm turning 31 in two months. I'm dating someone now, but like, it's so funny. Every time someone shares a story, I'm like learning something new 
like, um, I'll never, I'll give you guys an example. One time, um, a woman came, she was an older white woman, um, very affluent. I think she like lived in Beverly Hills and she had been divorced previously, but she like, she was married to a guy for 12 years. She had been divorced and she had met this guy recently that she dated for a couple of months. I want to say three to six months. And she said, I remember her saying in the meeting, this was when we were meeting in person before COVID, which I can't wait to go back to, um, you know, once this is all over because the in-person meetings are amazing. But she said, um, I got divorced and this heartbreak with this guy is 10 times worse than what I ever felt in my divorce. And I remember thinking to myself, are you kidding me? Like the worst is, you know how, you know how you always hear people say like, well, your first heartbreak's the worst. It's like, I, I genuinely found out. I witnessed that that is actually not true, Mm -hmm. that your worst heartbreak isn't like the first time. And so many people over the age of 50 and 60 come to meetings and they're like, you are not like, you don't, you know, we think we like get stronger, right. And like immune to it, but you're not like heartbreak is just as bad at that age, if not sometimes worse. And so, so I learn a lot about like love and heartbreak through each and every story. That's just one example. But I remember just being like, damn, like the worst, the worst is yet to come. No, well, I don't think you can necessarily look at it like that, but I mean, no, well, it's true. I said to you, I said to Christina last night, I was like, damn, I hate to admit this, but like I, so I'm dating now again after a breakup. And I was like, for some reason in my head, I thought I was like kind of immune to it again. Like the next person I really like is going to like me back. And I'm like, shit. At least I'm optimistic, I guess. Yeah, no, but you have to be. You're absolutely right. And I am. And I think anyone, that's the thing about, that's the great thing about fear, right? That it's like, whenever I'm scared of something, I know that I'm in exactly the right place at the right time because you have to do something you've never done to be someone you've never been, right? 100%. So you, have to, you have to go into everything super fearless, whether it's a new relationship after a breakup, whether it's a new job and you have to be like, yeah, this is going to be amazing. And like, whatever. I I do think it's important to keep in the back of your mind though, that like, you know, sometimes stuff happens and and that's life, you know? Yeah. And and you just like learn and you grow from it and you have to like be able to move on. And at least there are support groups to help you, to help you do that. Right. Is there a common theme that you've learned from everyone who comes? Like, is there a certain thing between like, no matter what grief they're going from, like that helps them get over it or what have you learned? I've, uh, you know, I'm not an expert, like I'm not a licensed therapist. So I can tell you that what I've seen is that sharing stories and being around people like builds levels of empathy. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that people that surround themselves with people can get through things. I don't want to say quicker, but I would say better. It's all about so that community. I rem- right. It, it is all about community. And what sucks about loneliness, which is at the root of everything, um, and nobody talks about loneliness enough is that people are very scared to admit they're lonely because they think that if they say they're lonely, that that means that they're unwanted or that they have no friends, but there's a lot of different types of kinds of loneliness that we don't need to get through today. But it's like, there's so many different kinds that that's not necessarily what loneliness means. But as far as like themes go, it's sharing and listening that makes you feel better. So I'll give you guys an example. In my heartbreak, I think heartbreak is very egocentric. So when you are going through something that's causing you heartbreak, you kind of think like it's just happening to you. You're like, it is the end of the world. And sometimes when you're talking to friends, you can't even concentrate on work. You can't concentrate on other things because your mind is so consumed with your dog passing, the fight with your friend, you know, a racial injustice, whatever it is that your body traumatically experiences causing you heartbreak, you're so consumed in it. When you go to something like Heartbroken Anonymous and you share and you listen to other people or you volunteer at your church or you, you know what I mean? Or you do something nice for your neighbor, all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, like everyone's dealing with stuff. Like it's not just me. It's not just happening to me. And just because I feel alone doesn't mean that I am alone. And so research has really shown that like people that get out there and and volunteer and reach out. And and when you come to a Heartbroken Anonymous meeting, you're actually doing something nice for someone else. Like the people that come to this meeting have oftentimes have nowhere else to go or no one to talk to. So not only are you doing something for yourself, but you're leaving the meeting with this sense of like, you're leaving the meeting with this sense of like purpose, right? Where you're like, wow, I did something nice for someone else. And long story short, like 
purpose and meaning makes you feel like you matter and mattering feels really good. So that's sort of like the antithesis, right? To like feeling shitty. Yeah, 100%. It's really interesting what you said about lonely. And I think that Justin Bieber, like just his song Lonely, like is a great example because I always hear that. I'm like, wow, like this kid had so many people around you, you know, but just because you're surrounded by people, just because you have an amazing job, you have money does not mean that you're not lonely. Lonely looks so different for every person. And it's not like a numbers thing. A hundred percent. We are in an epidemic of loneliness. There's this, um, the U.S. Surgeon General um, under Obama, his name's Vivek Murthy, and he wrote this book called Together, which has just been my Bible. And, and it's just all about loneliness. So it, what's so interesting about his story is he traveled, you know, the United States trying to tackle like what the big health thing was, right? Like, was it opioids? Was it obesity? Like, what is the big thing? And he found that it was loneliness and he proclaimed that we're in an epidemic of loneliness. So people think of COVID and they think, you know, COVID's this invisible plague that's like killing the world. And no one's talking about loneliness, which is also an invisible plague that actually kills more people. Loneliness is behind suicide. It's behind addiction. It is behind so many things. I mean, like you could even go down, you could think about like gangs. Like why do people join gangs? It's because they want to belong. Mm-hmm. It's because they want to feel, it's a fake sense of belonging. Obviously don't join a gang if you feel <laughs> lonely, but like that's to the extreme that we as humans want to feel like we have someone and no one talks about it. And now that we are isolated, because isolation and loneliness are two different things. But now that we're isolated, I think it's definitely like a risk factor. It makes loneliness like way more prone. Um, it's harder than ever to connect. It's harder than ever to feel like seen and heard. And so that's why I made Heartbroken Anonymous virtual and and why the meetings I think are so meaningful because you walk away, you know, with this sense of of greaterness, of grandness, that you're like a part of something and, and you have the opportunity to connect with people at the end of meetings. I like have people exchange contact info if they want and stuff. I love that. Naz, how do you not give advice during the meetings? Because I think <laughs> that's like something that for me, so Ray and I actually joined a meeting yesterday and it was like so impactful. And honestly, I really encourage everyone to join a meeting. Like, I think oh, that thanks. you'll love it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you don't want to share a story, you can just listen in and support other mm-hmm. people. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like if it were me, gosh, I'd want to give everyone like some sort of advice. And I'm not a therapist or an expert, like, but how do you not listen to people's stories and like try to offer something back? Or do you just feel like just being there and listening is enough? Yeah. So, so I always tell people I'm in the business of softening the blow, not curing the heartbreak. Okay. Um, I'm not a licensed therapist. I also don't like to play God. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that like, if you want, I think obviously personally me as Naz, I go to therapy and I do a lot of self-healing stuff. I'm probably like so crazy. I go to Esalen, which is this retreat center up in Northern California. I meditate every morning. I have people clear my chakras. Like I do it. I am like, I'm so into self-healing, you know, like I, I go on walks and all of that stuff. I think all of that is so, so important. The reason why I don't tell people to do what I do is because who am I to tell people like what to do? And I've actually found that people don't want to be told what to do, especially when it's like raw. And, and that one neighbor that I told you about, which was the big inspiration behind why I started the meeting was, um, was a huge lesson in that she didn't, she knew, I think we as humans, like we know the right answer at times. Right. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to feel that shame and guilt. And there's so much shame and guilt attached to heartbreak, which like, it just fucking sucks, man. Like it's one thing to have a miscarriage. Right. So on top of having, if you have a miscarriage, the embarrassment on top of already, you just already went through a miscarriage. And then on top of it, people feel all the shame and guilt. I don't want to tell my friends. I'm so embarrassed. Maybe this means my body doesn't work. And again, I'm speaking from someone who's never even been pregnant. So I apologize. And I hope that's not like offensive because I actually don't know what it's like. That's just like what I imagine it to feel like. And it just bums me out that there's so much shame and guilt attached to everything we go through. It makes it worse. It's like, let's give each other a break. Like, Let's not feel that like shame and guilt. And so when you give people advice, it can sometimes make people feel like guilty for not knowing that or for not doing that or for something that they should do. Um, so, so yeah, I think at the end of the day, of course, I want everyone to get advice, but I don't want to be the one to give it. And I found that just the whole point is just to remind people they're not alone. I think that's really good advice, honestly, just for someone who is a friend to someone who's dealing with heartbreak too, because I am someone who absolutely gives advice. Um, I definitely come from more of like a tough love sort of 
like that's just kind of my personality. And I'm like super honest and I try and help people get over it. And I always come from like the empowerment approach. But like, I do think that like that could make people feel shameful or guilty. Like as you say that now, I'm like, so it helps me registering that too. When people are sharing their feelings to be like a little bit more soft in my approach. It's funny you say that because I love that you opened up about that because I'm actually the same way. And like, you know how we get imposter syndrome in our jobs. And like, sometimes like my, a friend will call me and I'll just give advice. And then I feel like a hypocrite and I'm like, who am I? Like as Naz, like I, I hold this space for strangers, but like my own friends, I can't hold that space with. So it's actually a really hard thing to do when you love and care about someone because it's all coming from a place of love. It's not bad to not do it. But I think I've learned that like, if you do have a friend that's going through a breakup, maybe just ask them like, what will make you feel better? Like, and maybe occupy their time. Because I remember going through my heartbreak. And if we're talking romantic heartbreak, um, I just needed stuff to do to not think about it. Right. So whether it's like, Hey, let's go get ice cream. Let's go on a walk. Let's talk about something else or, you know, cry on my shoulder and just say what you want to say. I think there's a time and place for advice, right? Obviously if you're a friend and family member, that's what you're going to want to do. Maybe the first day isn't (laughs) the right time to do it. Maybe you just listen and, and make people feel seen and heard, but But again, it's like, it's also okay to do that because there's resources and places like Heartbroken Anonymous where you can go and just say whatever you want, you know. One thing I wanted to ask that you said earlier, because it just really stuck out to me was, you know, when you said this epidemic of loneliness and we're all feeling lonely, maybe in different ways, Mm -hmm. where do you, where do we go from here? Like, what can we do on a personal level to fix these connections and find community and make connections? Yeah, that's a great, great question, which I'm trying to kind of figure out on my own too. I think things that have helped me is, um, and the things that have helped me, I would just want everyone who's listening to take this with a grain of salt because it's COVID now. So we can't necessarily like implement those things. We're like now in this world, we're like, we're not even supposed to be around people. So it's hard, but like in a pre-COVID world and you can figure out what the virtual equivalent to this is like, I would smile at strangers. I would talk to the guy, um, I don't know, talk to the guy putting your groceries in your bag. Like he's a human, just like, how are you today? Like, there's, there's just no sense of community. No one wants to get to know each other more. And I think we're like scared of strangers when in reality, we're all the same deep down. We have so much more in common than we think. And that's the biggest lesson I've learned from HBA. And I remember reading about this study, this man, Nick Epley did with the Chicago transit system. So what he did was, um, he interviewed, they surveyed people who sat on the subway on the way to work, either by themselves or sat next to a stranger. And I think when we go in settings where there's other people, we think like, oh, on the bus or on the plane, I want to find a seat by myself away from everyone. We think it's actually going to be more peaceful. We think that we're just going to be, it's going to be way more peaceful and better. And studies have shown, research has shown that the people that sat next to a stranger and like talked to them recorded feeling happier at the end of their trip at the end of their commute. So I think just, we need to get rid of the stigma that like, I don't want to talk to people, you know, whether they don't have a home and they're sleeping on the sidewalk outside your house or, or your boss, I don't know, but maybe just, let's just start treating each other with more kindness and and like we're humans and like everyone's going through something, you know, I I don't know if you, I know you guys were in the meeting last night and obviously, you know, it's anonymous, but somebody shared a really traumatic story that I won't share Um, But what I will share about their story is they said that they work in sales over the phone and that um, it was really heartbreaking for them because people would say, you know, when you work in sales and you're on the phone, you're like, how are you? And then they asked the question back. Good. How are you? And this person that came to the meeting shared that they just wanted to break down Mm -hmm. and say, like, I'm terrible, but they couldn't because it's not acceptable in society. They had to be like, I'm fine. What package would you like? You know, Mm -hmm. and then to learn and to learn what she was actually going through it, it reminded me that like, wow, even these people we talked to on the phone, for two minutes, <laughs> like, telemarketers are human. And, and that's a lesson I have to teach myself because I can be really mean over the phone because I'm not physically in front of someone, you know? So yeah, these are all such good examples and so important. And it's honestly something that I like preach about all the time. And it gets me so upset. Like when someone, when I, I like say hi to everyone walking by, like everyone. Mm-hmm. 
And when someone doesn't say hi back or doesn't hold the door or something like that, it bothers me to like a level that like, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, why does this bother me so much? But I'm like, I'm a freaking person. Like, do you not like see me? Like, I know like my UPS guy's name. Like I talked to the Trader Joe's people. And the other day I was at the post office and someone cut in front of me and they didn't hold the door open for me. And it, Mm-hmm. that wasn't a big deal, but it, they let it slam my face. And I was like, geez, like so rude. And I mumbled that under my mask and the right. guy turned around and he goes, okay, Karen, and kept walking. Whoa, and, wow. I, and I was like, damn, I literally was so taken aback because people just like don't care anymore. Well, mm-hmm. I think you're like probably the minority because I, when you were speaking on that, Naz, I was thinking like, even in the elevator this morning, going down from my building to come over here, there was a girl in there and I didn't, and you, I would normally smile, but now we have a mask on. I'm like, why didn't I just say, hi, how's your morning going? But why, just, why didn't you? I don't know. I guess because it's not a habit or something or like. I think we've, I think we've, remember how I was telling you guys about that, that home video that my dad sent me and how mm-hmm. I was like playing with everyone in my neighborhood. I, and again, it, I don't live in the suburbs anymore. I live in LA, I live in the city. So where, you know, you could live in the suburbs and it could be like a super community feeling, or, you know, you could be Amish or Mormon and and you do have a huge sense of community. But I think in this generation that we've grown through, like individualism is Mm -hmm. such a thing. It's all about like the individual and it's all about like, you got to work hard and like, you can do anything you want to do and on your own and express your own opinions. But like, I think we've lost this sense of like what Mr. Rogers like preached about. Right. Which is like, won't you be my neighbor? We've like lost this sense of wanting to be nice to people. And, and I don't want people to feel overwhelmed and that I'm not human because just like you guys, like I probably have been that person not realizing and letting a door slam behind me in a building. I know I've been like not nice when I'm talking to customer service representatives and then I feel terrible after, you know, it's like, why, why do we, why do we feel this sense of like, we always feel this sense of like threat, right? Like we don't want people to get around us and like, just not feel safe, but it's like, everyone's a human, you know? So true. My little brother uh, works for a call center for a major bank. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait a minute, Alexander, you're like one of the customer service people. And he's like, yes. And I was like, how is it? He's like, people are fucking awful. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. And every single time I'm on the phone now, I try and think of him. Like yeah. the person I'm talking to is like someone's brother or sister or parent or so. I think to like right. just try and personalize everyone you see in like some sort of way helps a lot too. Right. right. And everyone's going through something. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love Heartbroken Anonymous because it reminds you of that. Like how often are you in a room full of strangers listening to what's actually going on in their life? Almost mm-hmm. nowhere, which is why it's a unique, remarkable community and experience. And I think like, it's one of those things like this, is, you guys are going to laugh, but like, if you watch the Kardashians, like back in the day, remember like in episodes, they would be like, all right, let's go drive to like a poor person's neighborhood and see how they live, you know? And like Kendall and Kylie would get out and, (laughs) and it's, it's, there's a, there's a lot of real stuff rooted in that when you physically are around someone that is poor, that is um, going through a racial injustice, something that you wouldn't have to deal with that is going through a divorce, a heartbreak that just lost someone. When you're next to them, you guys know this, you build empathy, Mm -hmm. right? Like you're like, oh my God, like I get it now. Or you try and get it, right? You're like, wow, like I'm so lucky. And like, I can't imagine how this feels for that person. But now that we're so individualized and we don't want to know our neighbors and we just go inside and now we're isolated and there's a pandemic and we never see people, how are we supposed to build that empathy for people if we're never even like around them or if we never even want to like be around them or or talk to them at the grocery store, like get to know them, you know? Yeah, I think just on an everyday level, just like you can put that little effort in. I think that it will not only make a difference in someone else's day, but for sure you'll see a difference in your own mindset. And that's what people don't realize is like, it actually makes you happier. Mm -hmm. It's like a selfish act, right? Because you feel so much better. Like after you do something good, because of what I said before, because feeling good feels good. And because purpose and meaning makes you feel like you matter and mattering feels really good. I feel so motivated now. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to walk out of here and be like, hello, how's your day going? Well, I did say I was, um, cause I just came back from Colorado and the guy on the plane who was announcing like everyone boarding, his mm-hmm. energy was just amazing. It was so positive. And he scanned my yeah. ticket. And I just had to, I was like, I have to tell you, your energy is so contagious. And he was like, oh my gosh, thank you. And I just was like, 
you know, I even contemplated, should I say yeah. that? Or is that like weird? I don't even know why I overthink it. I just, yeah. I feel this is such a great, this has been a very um, yeah. motivating conversation for anyone listening. Just go out into your day and like speak and say hi and connect with people, even if we have yeah. masks on and from six feet apart. But wow. Yeah, Absolutely. but it's like, even if you're an introvert, like, don't be overwhelmed. It's like, just yeah. a smile, just a yeah. smile. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to go out of your way and really change who you are. But yeah, you can like leave a note on your neighbor's door or something, or you get, you know, you can do stuff. I think it's all, a lot of the problems in the world would be solved if we would just like see each other more. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people want to see each other more. It's so divisive. Like we just live so we're just so divided, especially in the United States. And it's just like, it makes me really sad. And it's like, can we just like all sit in a room and, <laughs> and talk about our differences and not hate each other or feel threatened by like someone who believes something we don't believe, you know? Could not agree more. I feel like that yeah. needs to be like preached and said everywhere. Yeah. Which is why HBA, like really, it really builds my empathy level up. Um, and it just increases my love for humanity. Cause I just meet all these people I would have never met. And like, I told you guys now that it's virtual, there's, it's insane. Like I was so upset when COVID hit. Cause I'm like, man, like walk, watching people walk into a room as strangers and leave as friends is like, gotta be the coolest feeling I've ever felt. But, and then when it went to zoom, I was like, oh, it's not going to be as cool. People aren't going to connect. But what I gained was like people from Mumbai, people from the UK, people from Canada, people from India, people from Boston, people from literally like LA, like Orlando come to the meetings now. And I'm like, that's so insane that all these people are like in this one little Zoom room now, just talking about like what's really bothering them. It's yeah. pretty amazing. Um, yeah. How does... I, I want to like switch gears a little bit to The Bachelor because I think that's really important. And it's like, obviously it's yeah. on right now and Valentine's Day mm -hmm. is coming up. And I would yeah. love to know like what you learned about love and dating from reality TV and working on The Bachelor. Yeah, it sounds so cliche. It sounds like the most cliche. But, um, and Ashley actually hates when people are like, I deserve love. Because you know how you always hear people say like, I'm deserving of love and I'm <laughs> worthy of love. I genuinely learned that working on the show. And, um, you know, before I had went on the show, I grew up in like South Florida and like, you know, I was in a sorority and I don't know, I just like kind of hooked up with guys. Like there's also, I think the environments we grow up in, there's, I don't want to like stereotype, but there's always like a certain type of guy. Right. And I think the culture that I grew up in, like in Miami and whatever, like people kind of didn't settle down or they would cheat and stuff. And I don't know, I just had like a weird experience. And so when I went to work on the show, I'll never forget Bachelorette was my first season, Caitlin season. And so I work with the cast. And so I worked with 25 to 30 men. And I had never before been in a room with 25 men from around the country, not just South Florida. Right. Mm -hmm. And so to see all these different people just like, and how they are was like such a wealth of knowledge, but also to see how, like, what's so cool about bachelor is like, they, people really are plucked from obscurity and they really are just people. And so when you see like whoever the lead is, or these cast members say like, I really want love, or I want to feel loved, or they really go for it and say how they actually feel like to the world on this like big stage, there's something really vulnerable and cool about that. And, and when the bachelor or bachelorette would get engaged or, or fall in love, I remember thinking to myself, like, well, I'm a person just like them. Like, like they were just so-and-so from, whatever town America, like, so am I, like, I'm deserving of it too. And so that's, it sounds so cheesy, but I think that's a lesson I really learned from it because I think I just grew up in a culture where I was just like, oh, it's not in the cards for me. Or I don't know. I think sometimes we think just one part of our life will work out, which is not the case. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm just a career girl. Like maybe I'll just always have bad luck and love. And then I worked on the bachelor and I was like, no, like everyone can have this. Like they want it. I can have it. Like, <laughs> so, so that was the biggest thing I learned. Do you still feel like that? Or do you sometimes, do you find yourself ever going back to feeling like maybe I, I am just a, a career girl or do you still believe like you'll find love and like, that's going to happen for you? I totally believe it. I'm a hopeful romantic, but not all the time. I think, I think you hit on something really true. I think it's hard. Like when I went through that 
huge heartbreak that led to me making Heartbroken Anonymous in 2016. I felt so unworthy and, and undeserving even after I had left the show. Um, I think when we're in those states of a real rawness of heartbreak, it's hard to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it took a lot of self-work. You know, I, I had to learn about my anxious attachment style. I had to learn about, you know, why I put so much worth and, and, I put so much meaning towards rejection. I remember, I mean, I was in my twenties. Your twenties are so hard. It's like, I took it so personally, you know, I was like, I'll never find love. I'm unlovable. Like this, this, this. And then you grow up and and you go through experiences and you're like, oh, that's not the case. You know, like it would be weird if I was everyone's person. That would be so Mm -hmm. bizarre. Like there's 6 billion people in the world. (laughs) Like it's okay. And, And sometimes it's not personal. It's not about you. Actually, almost all the time, it's not about you. It's really about the other person. Has there been any resources? I just feel like you're so full of knowledge on like, like you <laughs> said, doing, you know, we're learning to realize like, you're not ever going to be everyone's cup of tea. And that's okay. Like, were there any resources that helped you to kind of get to that place of being like, okay, to be prepared for that heartbreak almost? Yeah. And the greatest teacher is doing it, which is terrifying, right? It's like opening yourself up. It's so much safer to not date people. It's so much safer to not date people. Like I am so comfortable not dating anyone. I have no anxiety about getting a text back. I get eight hours of sleep. (laughs) I meditate every morning. I'm amazing at work. I get everything done. It's so much easier. But when I open my heart up to someone, it's, you know, it's, it's so anxiety ridden. Like, is this going to work out? Am I going to be happy? It works out. Do I want to be with this person? Does this person want to be with me? Am I going to get a text back? Am I going to get ghosted? It's so much harder, but you know what? You have to do it Mm because love is the greatest thing in the world and there's no way around it. So the best teacher I've had is just doing it. It's experience. It's messing up. It's making mistakes. Um, I had to work through my perfectionism a lot. I have perfectionism disease. And so making a mistake is a really big deal to me. When you have perfectionism, you're like really scared of failing. It's not so much about succeeding. It's you're scared of failing because you equate it to your worth. So like, if I fail, I'm like not worthy, right? I'm like, oh, I'm the, I'm, who am I? Like, I deserve nothing because I failed. And it's like that, but that's life, right? Like, and even, and if your relationship doesn't work out, that's not a failure. That's a lesson. <laughs> that That's a stepping stone to, to you coming more into your own and, and finding your person. I think that's so important. And I honestly, like, if you're not even trying, if you're not willing to deal with the rejection, you are literally rejecting yourself from every opportunity. Yeah. So I feel like you have yeah. to put yourself out there and you, you have to take that chance. Yeah. And it's terrifying. It is terrifying. And you're so right. It is anxiety ridden. Because even if you're just (laughs) waiting for that text, or even if you got that text, and then you're like, but I don't know how to text back. But that is part of the fun. And that's part of the adventure. No, and it's lightness. And and I just want to say, because I, because I am that person, especially like I told you guys, like listening to stories of heartbreak, like there's two ways to look at the world. I could be like, oh, well, I don't know if it's going to work out with this guy, but even if it does work out with this guy, what if he, what if he falls out of love with me five years from now? Or what if I get married to him and then he cheats on me? And it's like, it's never ending. You mm-hmm. can like, you can end your life right now with what ifs, mm-hmm. or you can choose to live your life right now with this is what I got. This is fun. And and enter every scenario with like a curious mindset. Mm. So now instead of and this is something I have to work on. So I hope I don't sound like I'm preaching because it's not something I'm great at. But I try and go into things with like, not I have to do this or it's more like an, I get to do this or, or I wonder if this is my person, or I wonder if this guy will be my husband, or I wonder how I'll feel on our next date. Not like, what am I going to do if this happens or this happens? It's just, just go into it with like more wonder, you know? I love that. Me too. And I think you have to think, I think we put so much emphasis on the other person and stop putting so much power on the other person. Like you hold the power. And I feel like people are like, are they going to like me? But instead it's like, Mm -hmm. are you going to like them? And I think yeah. that if you change that narrative and that conversation um, with yourself, like, I think that really helps a lot because why are we putting so much power onto other people? Like, it's about mm-hmm. you. It's about your happiness. It's about your life. So, like, think about, like, what works mm-hmm. for you and stop trying to, like, make that center and that focus on the other person. A hundred percent. I could not agree more with what you're saying. And I think that's been an important lesson for me to learn because my narrative was always like, well, nobody ever picked me. That That's what I would always say out loud. I'd be like, well, no one picked, no one's ever picked me, which is why I'm always so scared dating because like, I've never really gotten past the third or fourth date with anyone. And it's like, well, 
if they picked me, would I have even wanted them? Mm -hmm. Like, why am I so fixated on them picking me? Like, and I think we do, I think we do get caught up in, in ideas and, and how hot they are. And, you know, but I think, and I, I do think that stuff is important. I think attractiveness is important, but I, I also would say what's more important is how do you feel around that person, mm. you know, and, and is that how you want to feel all the time? Someone, Jared actually, you know, Ashley's husband gave me advice, um, that he got from Rob Thomas. Jared's obsessed with Rob <laughs> he Thomas. Is. It's so, <laughs> so funny. funny. So I, I listened intently when he said, Rob Thomas gave me advice. I was like, Ooh, what did Rob Thomas tell you? Yeah. <laughs> Rob Thomas told Jared before he married Ashley or, you know, just advice about marriage in general. He was saying like, make sure the person you marry is a, is someone you want to have a conversation with every day. Mm. And I was like, wow, that's so true. It's like not who's going to look good in your photos, Mm -hmm. who's going to be a good Instagram boyfriend, who's going to, it's like, is that someone you want to talk to every day? (laughs) Just start there, maybe, you know? 100%. That's such good advice. I know, I think as I'm like dating too, it's so easy to get wrapped up in the ideas, as you mentioned, which is something I'm working on and trying to like slow down on when I'm dating and actually, like you said, exactly, Naz, is how do you feel in this situation? Instead of mm-hmm. thinking of like, oh, what should I ask them? What should I say? Oh, did I say something weird? Like my mind goes mm-hmm. a million miles a minute. I'm trying to just slow down and notice how I feel because I think that is so important. Yeah. And your body tells you so much how you react and you don't even realize it. Yeah. And it's so shitty as women, because I think we do, we, uh, we doubt ourselves so much and it's like, it makes me sad, but like, yeah, I experience it too all the time. And I think that's really smart. I've, I too am trying to go slower with dating right now because, um, I was a future tripper. That's what I call it. Future tripping where you're just like, everyone's falling in love with the potential of someone, you know, and, and that's very dangerous. Like you need to not love who that person can be tomorrow. You need to like who they are today. And reversely, they need to like who you are today. Not so like if a guy meets me and he's, you know, he's like, Oh, this girl's so cool. She's got heartbroken anonymous. Like, I wonder if she, you know, it's like, I wonder what she's going to be five, 10 years from now. Does she want to be a mom? It's like, Oh, okay. Do you like me today? Because like, I don't want you to fall in love with like the mother I'm going to be one day or whatever. Like you need to like who I am right now, which is someone that spends a lot of time doing work and like, you know what I mean? So I think it's important that we fall in love with and we look out for if we like that person right now. And as we're going into Valentine's Day, if people are feeling maybe a little jaded or down or heartbroken or they're not in a relationship what would you, would you have any advice for them or words of wisdom? Yeah, I think if you're not in a relationship, I think single is your superpower. And we had this guy on the, I don't get it podcast that I host with Ashley and her sister, Lauren, um, called case Kenny. And he wrote a book called single is your superpower. And I, it's like, let's stop looking at being single is like a sad thing. Like it is not, it is like, I remember I would look at it like, oh, all my friends are pitying me because I've been like single my whole life, basically. And now I'm like, man, this is amazing. Like, I love it. I get to do whatever I want. I get to make out with whoever I want. I get to date a different guy every week if I wanted to. Like, I think start looking at like the cool things about the situation you're in and not pitying yourself and look at the bad things. Um, reversely, I think Valentine's day can be like extremely hard. Um, as you know, cause you went through it a couple years ago and I know I went through a breakup right before Valentine's day. It was the worst. It was basically like single awareness day, which is why I decided to host two free virtual heartbroken anonymous meetings on Valentine's day. So if you are listening and you feel alone or you have a friend that's like going through a breakup or maybe just wants to feel less alone or that you can't be next to you, please tell them to go to heartbrokenanonymous.com. I am doing a meeting in the morning at 9 a.m. Pacific time and in the evening at 5 p.m. Pacific time. So no matter where you are in the world, whether it's like the UK or New York, like there's a meeting that you can attend and just not be alone, you know, but it's also okay to be alone on Valentine's Day. I think that's like the biggest thing I want people to take away. Like, I don't know, it's sort of like New Year's Eve. I hate New Year's Eve, but like order Chinese, watch Taylor Swift documentary. Like it's going to be okay. It's just one day on the calendar. (laughs) One day. That is it. Don't put too much value onto it. Just in 
treat it like any other Sunday, honestly. Yeah. It's funny because like, you know, I haven't been in a super serious relationship. I am dating someone now and, you know, I hope it gets super serious, but I actually feel like if I was in a relationship, getting flowers on Valentine's day, truly, honestly, I think would mean nothing to me. Mm. I'd be like, okay, cool. Like, technically had to do this. <laughs> it's nice. It's amazing. It's sweet. You know, I, I'm not a cynic. I'm just speaking to the single person now. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? 100%. I, you I have, hope I'm not coming off like a curmudgeon. <laughs> no, not at all. You have okay. so much wisdom and insight. And I love that you created such a safe space for uh, for people all around the world to have a sense of community and share their stories. And I think that's so important. And you are so much fun to follow. You have so many amazing things going on. Where can everyone catch up and keep up with you? Oh, thank first of all, thank you both um, for even checking out Heartbreak Anonymous and for having me. I just want to tell the both of you that like it really means a lot to me because I don't really have money to advertise. So like just doing little things like this like means so much to me. And I think everything that you guys stand for, because you've been on our podcast, you mm-hmm. know, like I think is just so incredible. And the fact that you make women feel seen and beautiful, like no matter what they look like or what they feel like on the inside is is just tenfold. So I appreciate you guys having me. Um, my name's Naz Perez. So you guys can find me on Instagram at Naz Perez, um, or at heartbroken underscore anonymous. And then you can find out more about heartbroken anonymous at heartbrokenanonymous.com. You are amazing. Thank you so much, girl. It was so nice catching up with you and hopefully we can do this in real life soon too. I know. I miss you guys. Thank you so much. (laughs) I love the both of you so much. Thank you. This was amazing. (laughs) All right. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes on our website, theconfidentcollective.com and find us on Instagram at Confident Collective. And if you really loved what you heard, screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it in your stories and don't forget to tag us.